Welcome to the Creative Empire Podcast. Each week, Raina Pomeroy, the life and biz success coach, and Christina Scalera, the attorney for creatives, are taking you up close and personal with successful influencers in the creative community and tackling your biggest business hurdles. Their mission is to help you, creative entrepreneurs, think beyond your daily biz so you can make the brave decisions that build your creative empire. Hey there, and welcome back to the Creative Empire Podcast. It's Raina and Christina here today, and we are talking to Molly Beck. Molly is the founder of the podcast creation site, Messy.fm, and the author of Reach Out. It's a career advice guidebook published by McGraw-Hill, and I love this book because it helps you in networking in a really non-sleazy way, and even entrepreneurs can really utilize these tactics that she's got outlined for us. And Molly launched and built the Forbes podcasts platform and was running marketing over at Benmo. So you have seen her work in some capacity, and we're really excited to talk to her today about all the work that she's doing right now. So Molly, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I love your podcast, and I'm thrilled to be on it today. Awesome. I know our entrepreneur listeners are really excited about this topic about you know, networking and doing it in a way that feels good. But uh, before we even get to reach out and all of that, tell us how you got to, you know, you were in New York and now you're in LA. What has Reach Out done for you? Sure. So Reach Out the book came out last September, the end of September, 2017. And I was already living in LA when it came out. I'm answering your questions, moving New York to LA. And then I'm going to answer what has the book done for me? So I moved out to LA last August, and I really moved out because my business, Messy FM, is in the podcast space, and LA is really sort of the hub for a lot of podcast creators and investors and people really interested in the audio space, which is why I came to California. The question asking about the book and what it has done for me, so we're coming up on that one-year anniversary of the book coming out, and the book's been awesome. One of the sort of the joys of it is getting to connect with tons of readers that have found the book helpful. I've also done a fair amount of speaking to corporate clients, which I really wasn't doing a ton of before, um, which has been an awesome sort of revenue stream for me speaking to companies. And then the last thing I would say the book has done is it's made me think differently about the process of writing a book and get a lot of people reaching out asking about how to write a book or what is that process like. And now that I'm on the other side and the book is published, I'm so happy that the book is out and live. But I will say that the process of writing the book, it was hard for me. And I don't, I don't think I'm a natural writer. And I'm really happy to be on the other side of it. <laughs> Awesome. And tell us a little bit more about Reach Out and how it's really changed your career. Sure. Reach Out is based on something that I've been doing for the past seven, eight years, since 2011, 2012, which is sending one email every single day to somebody on the edge of my network. And what that really means is a friend of a friend, someone that I know loosely in passing, an acquaintance that I want to get to know better, someone that I used to be close to. Occasionally, I'll do a reach out to a total stranger. But in general, it's just thinking about people in my network that either I could help or might be interested in what I'm working on and making a point to deliberately connect with one of them every single day. And that's something I've just been doing on my own for six or seven 
I guess it was probably six years at the time. And when I was working at Forbes, my main job was running Forbes podcasts. But another writer asked me if I would do sort of a guest post on her regular column series. And the topic of the series was sort of like a career tip or a mentoring tip that would help other people. And I realized I'd never really written about what I was doing with reaching out. So I wrote the article for her on that. And then when it was published, it ended up going viral. And then uh, the article going viral led to the book deal. And since then, I've just continued to send those reach outs every day. I still do it. I did it this morning. It's really been something that's been incredibly impactful for me, sending one email every day to somebody that I want to get to know better. I think it's just so simple and like such a beautiful strategy to reach out to somebody that's on the outside of your connections and send one simple email. But I'm guessing that these emails kind of snowball into bigger things. What are some of those things that have happened because of those reach outs? You know, it's so hard to, this is sort of related. The other day, somebody asked me how had social media helped my career? And it's like so hard to separate social media and networking and the reach out strategy from my career. Some of the points that have definitely been like inflection points in my career that happened because of reaching out would be getting my longtime mentor getting the job at Venmo, although not because I knew someone at Venmo, but because I reached out to someone that asked me to (laughs) contribute to a fundraiser via Venmo. And I'd never heard of Venmo at the time, but I used the app and loved it. Ended up applying to a job there that night and then got the job. Um, Starting Forbes podcast, that was via a reach out that someone connected me to through Forbes. And, you know, a ton of stuff has happened with Messy, which particularly on the investor and fundraising side through doing reach outs to potential angels or potential investors that might be interested in helping grow Messy. Can you talk a little bit about what Messy is? Like, how would somebody use it? Like, who is it for? Just give us all the details on Messy. Shameless plugging (laughs) Um, allowed. You know, Messy (laughs) is a platform that if you wanted to start a podcast and you were intimidated by the need to learn audio software or recording software or to figure out how to create show art that would meet iTunes specifications or to figure out how to host your RSS feed or where to get analytics. If all of those steps were sort of overwhelming to you, but you really had a unique story or a show that you wanted to start, Messy is the solution for you. It's an all-in-one podcast production platform. You can go to it today. The base level is free, messy.fm. And you can have your show live and on iTunes in a very short period of time. And we walk you through the process at seven steps from creating that show to publishing it. Well, Raina and I know how hard it can be. And it definitely, (laughs) I mean, like once you do it, it's not so bad, but then, you know, it kind of is because you just don't know what you're doing when you get started. So that sounds like it takes a lot of the guessing game out of the equation. Who have you seen jump on the platform? And like, what are some cool stories that have come out of Messy.fm? Yeah, so the target user of Messy is, or people that are using it, are people that don't necessarily have the money or the resources or the interest in finding a studio, buying a microphone, uh, figuring out how to work with a producer, anything like that. So many of our users are people that are sharing their very unique point of view, whether they're sharing some, you know, we have a single mom that talks about what it's like to do dating. We have some people with some unique health challenges that share their point of view on the world. We have a couple creative entrepreneurs that are probably a fan of this podcast that we have a lot of people that do sports themes podcasts. So sort of like live recaps of shows. 
which is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's probably a lot of guys recapping the sports stuff. They all seem to have a very strong opinion about anything yeah, that, we have that, that has ever happened that when it comes to sports. Is starting. We have a lot of people doing fantasy football stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how have you seen the creatives that have jumped on Messy.fm? How have you seen it expand their reach? Or, you know, is it really more successful when they are combining different strategies like the email strategy that you yeah. talk about in your book, Reach Out? Or, you know, like where are they seeing traction in their careers? Is it is the podcasting like a way for them to get in front of people and then the email is a way to seal the deal? Or yeah, I mean, you I know, what are you seeing? Separate from Messy, just thinking about podcasting as a whole. I think podcasting is a great way for people to speak to their audience. It's another touch point that's a little bit, it's podcast, listening to someone's podcast is further down the funnel than someone doing like a drive by of your blog or liking a social post because there's a finite amount of time there is to listen to podcasts. And if you've got someone to go to a directory, download your show, listen to 45 minutes or an hour, even if they only listen to one episode, that person is way more likely to buy your services, learn more about your business, hire you as a coach than someone that's just following you on social. So if you can create a show that people are interested in listening to, and probably the first tier of that is your audience that is already following you, and then they want to start sharing it with their friends because the content is good, you already know that those people that are listening to your podcast are hyper-engaged in what you're doing and are good potential clients for you or potential clients that you can upsell and work with again. So if I was to leave someone listening to this podcast with any sort of thought process, it would be if you're listening to this podcast, you're already interested in the audio space, at least as a consumer. And I would encourage you to not only be a consumer, but also be a creator. What will happen in podcasting is the same thing that happened in blogging, which is the people that start early on the trend will be the ones with the largest audience. I started a blog in 2008. That blog changed my entire professional life. I grew a huge audience from it. And the reason I grew the audience was, yeah, the concept was unique probably, but also I was just one of the first bloggers and there wasn't a ton of content out there. Right now, 73 million Americans listen to podcasts every single month. There's only half a million podcasts in total all time on Apple Podcasts, and the majority of those are not updated. So the amount of quality shows out there is just not huge. And if you're creating a show that's interesting and unique, you will be the one with the huge audience and the huge platform two, three, four years from now. I mean, I pretty much guarantee if you are... <laughs> I guarantee if you're listening to this podcast, and I mean, I guess I don't know the future, but if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, I should start a podcast, and then two years from now, you didn't start it, you will have regret that you didn't start it. The number one thing I hear from podcasters that have been podcasting, even if they've been doing it for you know six, seven months are, man, I wish I started earlier because already you're seeing the people that started their shows right at the start of the tail are the ones that are building these massive platforms with the podcasts. Maybe they start off as like a, you know, a side project along with an email list or along with the social following, but eventually those podcasts can move into the center of the wheel in terms of how you're monetizing or getting new clients. I love that. I think that as podcasters too, we sometimes, well, I have felt 
as after we started our podcast, there there's so many podcasts in our space, but it's an opportunity to think critically about how can we get creative and how can we do things differently. And the fact that there are so few shows in the grand scheme of things, I think it's such a, a needed perspective shift. So I really appreciate that. And you're giving people a platform and a way to do it even easier, simpler, and the tech or all the components of starting a show doesn't necessarily have to be as complicated as it's made out to be. So I appreciate all of the things that you're saying there. And what do you think are the biggest hangups that people have as they're deciding, oh, well, I want a podcast, but I'm not even sure like how to get started. So what are some of the hangups and how does Messi well, I'll tell help you, I spent all day telling people about the hangups <laughs> in hopes that they invest in Messi because we get rid of the hangups. But I will say that The largest ones tend to be people are overwhelmed with the equipment. They're confused what microphone to buy. They're a little bit confused. Usually like the terminology is confusing. So do they have a WAV file or an MP3? Are they, how do they host that RSS feed? It is confusing that hosting services are called hosting services, but you're also the host of your podcast. But the hosting service, which is like a Libsyn or a Blueberry is going to be like the place that your RSS feed uh, lives. It's confusing that if you want your podcast on SoundCloud or Stitcher or iTunes, you have to manually upload those. There's just sort of a lot of terminology and stuff that seem confusing. The reason I started Messy is because when I was running Forbes podcasts, which are 15 shows that speak to the Forbes audience, the podcast network is still up and live. People would come up to me all the time with really awesome ideas for shows. So I had this very long Google Doc of all the different ways you can put together a podcast. And people rarely did that, even if they had a unique idea for a show. Like I always joke that I'm going to start like a book that's like great ideas for a podcast that never happened because I've heard so many interesting, unique takes on type of content that would work super well in audio that people just didn't, haven't done. And you know, if you wanted to start a blog, it's super easy. You would go to WordPress or Squarespace or Wix or Blogspot and you would have that show up and running in minutes. And I just felt like people were being left behind in the podcasting revolution because there just wasn't a WordPress for podcasts, which is that is what messy is. Awesome. So basically start your podcast. <laughs> you nothing out of this. Finish listening to this episode and then start getting that Do podcast it. up and running. Yeah, I think that's so fun. I also think that podcasting is a very mm. democratic process. And it's kind of a weird sentence, but I think that it levels the playing field for a lot of people, kind of like social media has done for that community. It's given people an opportunity to share their voice. You don't have to be an expert at being a TV anchor. You don't need somebody's permission to share your opinions very much like a blogger. And so I appreciate being a podcaster for that platform. And like, once you cultivate it, people come to you for your opinion. They come to you for, you know, the value that you offer. Totally. And having a podcast is a great reason to just, if you're doing an interview style, show to meet other people, you know, like to have an excuse. Mm -hmm. Hey, will you come and be on my podcast? I mean, I've been on tons of other people's podcasts and I've had tons of people on my podcast. I can count on my hand the number of times someone said, how big is your listenership or how many, how many people are listening to your podcast? People are just Mm -hmm. excited. The medium is new to be on other people's shows. So you can talk to sort of some really big name guests or people that are interesting to you in your industry that you would have previously had absolutely no reason to connect with and tying this back to the reach out strategy. Yeah. I was just about to go there too. I'm glad you are. (laughs) That's an awesome opportunity to, when you're reaching out to someone that you 
want to get to know better or that you admire is to offer them a press opportunity. And that's what being on a podcast is. I think if you're interested in changing fields or becoming an expert in your field or starting to, you know, think of a passion project that you can monetize outside your full-time job, think about who you want to get to know. And do you want to know more people in the calligraphy industry? Do you want to know more people that are authors of self-help books? Do you want to know more people that are also single moms that are balancing dating with raising kids? then you can reach out to those people and ask them to be on your podcast all about that theme. And what happens there is that not only do you meet more people in that field, but you become the expert in that field. So if you have a podcast all about being a single parent while also dating, and you've interviewed 10 people, and then your local news wants to do a segment on Valentine's Day about being a single parent while dating, you are the expert by virtue of someone that has interviewed 10 plus people about the topic. So thinking about how podcasting can help you network with more people and also raise your profile as being an expert in a specific industry is another value add to the space. Yeah, I think Raina and I can both attest to that. Uh, people, it's funny, I'll go to conferences and people definitely recognize me from this podcast, but they don't necessarily recognize me from my own company because Raina and I both have separate companies and then this podcast together. So it is. it has been really interesting. And I think it's like the voice maybe like they don't even recognize me at first, but they're just like, I feel like I know you. And I'm like, <laughs> is it, you know, do you listen to the show? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, so those are the kinds of reactions that we get a lot of times, or at least I get, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Raina gets the that. same thing. And also you can write tons and tons yeah, of it's, blog content, but there's just something about people hearing your voice, hearing you laugh, hearing you to, you know, talk back and forth. They feel like they know you. You're part of their every Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or whatever morning that someone's show comes out. Your listeners are part of, you're a part of their day. I mean, I know podcasts that I love. I get so excited when it's Wednesday morning and Selfie, which is one of my favorite podcasts, come out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to listen to Christian and Sarah. And I truly feel like that they're my friends. And that's something that you don't get in a lot of other sort of static mediums, including emails, which I love emails. I wrote a whole book about the value of emailing. And I, I think that the audio space is just more intimate. Yeah, I totally agree. How do you feel about podcasts versus video? Because this is one thing I've been struggling with lately, and you are a marketing expert. So everybody's saying do a video, but then like when you translate video just to audio, right? Like if you're doing the Gary Vee thing, you film a video and then you just slap that, you know, a, a, an intro and outro on it. Like, how do you feel about doing that and repurposing video versus a native podcast where you are yeah, literally creating the content just for the podcast? I mean, an earlier inclination of Messy was more of a video platform, but I think that a challenge, I think if you're interested in doing video and podcasting, go for it. I think if you think that you have to do video and audio, you'll never do it. I think a big hang up, I mean, this sounds trivial, but I see it over and over again is that people get nervous about how they look on video. They feel like they have to go to dry bar. They have to get the blowout. You have to have your makeup done before you record videos. And then you never get around to it. And that's sort of a benefit of audio. I mean, I'm doing this podcast right now with wet hair. And I would never, if this was a video, I probably would have gone to dry bar. And it would have been a whole production. And then, you know, it's it's more involved, especially, I mean, I don't necessarily love to talk about men versus women, but I think women definitely have more pressure across the web to look a certain way or look, you know, sort of pulled together when they're doing video. And that stops a lot of people from doing it. And I hope that 
if you're interested in doing video and audio that you definitely do it. But if you're just interested in audio, that's okay too. There's certainly no downside to like scraping the audio off a video and making it a podcast, but don't feel like you have to do both. Thanks, Molly. Yeah, it's definitely something that I've, <laughs> I've been like, what do I, what should I do? What should I do? But yeah, I mean, I, I think audio or a video, either way, whether you're dressed up or not, you have your blow it or not, it can definitely be intimidating. So I think some of the things that intimidate people are they don't know what to talk about. They don't like their, <laughs> this was a big hang up for me. They don't like the sound of their own voice, which I've gotten over secret just listening to myself and editing the first few episodes we had. That got me over real quick. And then I think they also feel like there's there's no place for them. Like who would want to listen to me? So do you have any advice or or tips on how to get over those kinds of hangups? Yes. To so get people onto one. these platforms? Let's start with they don't know what to talk about. So that's why having a show format is helpful. And it's okay to loosely script out. I probably wouldn't write word for word, but have a couple bullet points that you want to hit. If you're having guests on, it's okay to send them a couple of questions ahead of time so that they have some stories ready to go. It's okay to loosely script out those episodes. And also, podcasting is not... I mean, you can do it live, but most people don't do it live. There's always places in the editing room. If you start telling a story and you realize you missed the punchline or something, take a deep breath and start again, and you'll just edit it out later. So... On that front, there are ways to get around sort of how, how, what to talk about. I would also say that the first podcast you ever record will be choppy and it will be awkward and you won't know what to say. So don't have your dream guest on for your first episode. Have it be a friend. Tell them up front, hey, I'm probably going to have to do this twice with you because the first time I'm going to be awkward. Like it's okay to, if your podcast is 20 minutes and you have to do it twice, that's okay. So don't necessarily put pressure on yourself that the first couple of times you do it, it will be perfect. It's a process. The second question or second sort of hang up that you mentioned was about, not the voice. What was the one that you said? Okay, yeah, I used to hate yeah, so, the sound I mean, of my honestly, own voice. Here's the truth. <laughs> Nobody likes the sound of your own voice, but that's just life. And so sometimes you just have to push past that. I hate the sound of my own voice too. It drives me crazy. Sorry, like this is what my voice sounds like. If, if the option is you decide that your voice is not worth it and to be quiet for the rest of your life, that's not, whether that's metaphorical or literal, that's not a very great option. So you got to push forward. If you're really having trouble with it, pretend that you're listening to your best friend talking. I bet your best friend's voice has never once bothered you. So if it's really bothering you and it's your own voice, just tell yourself, oh no, this is just my best friend's voice. That's all. We're, we're just doing that. And then the third thing I think you said is what if people feel like they don't know what to say? Yeah, like being scared yeah, that I people mean, think, wouldn't listen to them. Like they're just creating this in a void well, the, and no one's actually yeah, I mean, hearing it. The first it thing I would say is like caring. your analytics are private. So no one knows if your podcast got gets a million downloads or one. So I wouldn't necessarily worry that if you launch your show, unless you are like every day updating everyone you know with how many downloads you got, nobody has any idea. If someone asks you, how's the show going? It's perfectly fine to say, it's going awesome. I'm really happy with the direction we're taking or yeah, the traction's really starting to hit. It's like no one's going to ask you what, I mean, I suppose maybe if you're asking someone on the show, they might ask you the number of downloads that you get, but that also seems somewhat unlikely. Like I mentioned, people don't often ask me that. But an average listener is not going to ask you that. So I wouldn't worry about 
no one's going to know what I'm, I feel like the fear there is not necessarily that no one's listening, but that no one's listening and everybody knows that no one's listening. So I would put that out of your head. And then the third thing I would say on that point is that, you know, it's, as we talked about, podcasting is different than, you know, putting up a blog post. If you send out a link on Twitter, people are probably going to click on it. They're just interested in it. You know, you can easily rack up a few thousand page views on a blog post just from your audience clicking over. It's not like that in podcasting. When you launch your podcast on the first day, I say this to everybody, whether you're a massive company or you're an individual, a good goal for the first day is 100 downloads. And if you're coming over from the the sort of the more online content creation side, you're probably like 100, that is tiny. But you know what? If you smash it and you get... 3,000, you're doing awesome. If you get 75, that's great. You're almost there. So retool your expectations. Downloads are not page views. They're they're more involved. Someone's farther down the funnel. They're finding you on iTunes. They have to download the episode. They have to find time in your day to listen to you know, a 30-minute podcast. So reset your expectations for what people will get. And I would also encourage you to think about, I feel like sometimes people think, oh, there's so many other podcasts in my space. I bet if you took out a pen and made a list without looking at iTunes, I think it would be hard for you to come up with more than like 10 or 12. And I bet if you asked your listeners of your podcast, hey, what are other podcasts that are similar to mine, they would come up with like a slightly different list. They might say, oh, you know, I'm not really sure you're the only one I listen to like this. Just keep in mind that as the expert in the space, you're more hyper attuned to quote unquote competition, even though they're not competition, than an average listener. And no one has your voice, both literally and what you bring to the table. And so I would hate it. I would hate it if someone listening to this podcast has an idea in their heart for a show that they want to do, but they feel like that they can't because quote, it's already been done. It has not been done, not the way that you're about to do it. So please, please start your show. Please. We need it. We we don't even know what we're missing because you've never done it yet. Preach. So true. Like we need it, right? I love that. And it's so true about the numbers. And I love that you said on a launch day, you want to have a hundred. I think that's such a good like starting point. And if you blow it out of the water, you blow it out of the water. It's just for you to know. No one else gets to see your numbers. And the thing that I often say, and Christine and I have to, and I have talked about it, but if you had 30 people in your house and you were talking that's to them a about lot something of that you're really passionate that's about, that's a lot of people. If you will, you would be nervous. It's a lot of people, right? Like 30 people at your party. Right. And then if it's a hundred, even more so, it's like you actually need like a different room. You can't have it in your house anymore. So it's just one of those reminders that no matter what the number is, it's probably more than how many people you can actually connect with on a day-to-day basis. So it's just encouragement for us to keep going and not let our nerves get in the way of this big dream that we have. And ultimately to connect with our dreamy clients who want to work with us or buy our product. I and love that. It's and just a way to share like, our message you know. with the world. Everybody listening to this podcast, they have super fans. They have people that maybe they've met them once or twice in real life, or maybe they just follow them on social or are part of your email list. They have people that are super excited about what you're doing, and maybe they've already worked with you, but maybe they haven't. 
think how freaking excited they are going to be when they get the email or they see the message on Instagram that you've started a podcast. They're going to be like, okay, cool. When is it launch? I can't wait. Do you, are you launching with three episodes? Cause I'd love to listen to all three. Like there are super fans out there that are excited to connect with you on a deeper level for sure. Think how excited those people will be. Even if there's only one or two of them, that's a start. Awesome. So before we wrap it up, I want to talk a little bit more about Reach Out because I feel like we've been going back and forth because they're so interconnected. But in terms of Reach Out and like reaching out also plays into bringing people onto your podcast. So don't fret. Um, But I think something that I'm really excited about for the entrepreneur community is that we have to, you know, use Reach Out and use just staying out of your comfort zone and reaching out to people we don't necessarily know all that well. What are the kinds of things that people can do to one, get over, you know, sending that email? And also what are some of the things that they can keep in mind as they pick who they're reaching out to? Email that you send is the hardest for sure. And that's the one that, especially if it's someone that you probably, when people hear about reach out, they probably, someone that they're interested in connecting with probably pops into their head. So they've been thinking about this person for a little bit of time. They admire them. They're another, they're another entrepreneur in a similar space. They're someone that they follow on social. They're just excited about them. So that first one that you send will be someone that you've admired for a long time and you'll probably be more nervous sending it. You might have a friend proofread it. You might sort of like labor over the subject line. But once you send that first one, it gets easier every time. And that's really a key tenant of reach out strategy is doing it every single day. When I was writing the book, I went back because the book has tons of examples of actual emails that I've sent and other people have sent and then so many templates that people can follow. And so I was going through my inbox and I was finding emails that I'd sent, you know, four or five years ago that I just never got a response to. And I just didn't even remember. And so if you do something enough, you will almost one of the benefits of it is that you can't be obsessively checking your inbox, hoping for that one reply because tomorrow's a new day and there's somebody else to reach out to. So doing it often tends to lower the anxiety around it or the fear about not getting a response. In terms of who to target, if you don't have somebody that sort of popped into your head when you're hearing about this that you want to reach out to, a good first target is someone that you used to know well in another part of your life. So someone that you went to high school with, someone that was in a class with you in college, uh, maybe somebody that you worked with at your first or second job, somebody that, you know, will recognize your name in the inbox. And that's ideally it's somebody that's doing something that will help move you closer to your goals. So maybe they're working at a company in a space that you want to move into. Maybe they're living in a city you're interested in moving into. Maybe you just need more friends where you live right now and they were somebody that you really jived with, but you just sort of lost touch. Think about somebody that will recognize your name and probably be excited to see it pop into your inbox. You're more likely to get a response from that person and it will sort of buoyant you or make you more excited to do future reach outs. That's just sort of a good first reach out. Yeah. So this reach out method obviously works, not just for you, oh but you God, have 66 five-star book reviews on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was 66. Sorry. I was just on there looking at your book because I'm like, oh gosh, I have so many books to read right now, but I really want to read this. And good news, you have a Kindle version. So it's actually going to happen. I hate like print and hardcover. Totally if that's all you got off there, sorry, the but it's version. not happening for me. <laughs> Oh, you do. Perfect. Okay. Well, then I actually will get to read this in the next Clearly, month. I, kill. I listen to the Audible version. 
Yeah, like I kill at least a book every like three to four days on Audible. It's the best thing ever. We're not even sponsored by them. We should be. Every three to four days. Well, yeah, I mean, it's so sometimes I go back and forth between podcasts because I love the like recency of podcasts, but then I love the like listening to a book like yours would be really helpful because think about it, guys. Molly took, well, she can tell us how many months did it take to write that book? This is, I don't know why I'm laughing. I think I, I, every time I think about writing the book, I just think about myself like in my apartment, hunched over my computer, just like so stressed. It Well, I'm sure it took you months to write it and then months to edit and revise it with your publisher and probably years before that, just developing the techniques that you talk about in there. So shopped tons and tons of other proposals and gotten tons and tons of other rejections. And after a while, I just sort of thought that the book dream wasn't going to happen for me. And so I put that up on a shelf and sort of forgot about it. In some cases, literally just taking proposals that went nowhere and putting them up in my you know closet and was like, and then on a totally random Tuesday, I mean, I've written oh. thousands of guest posts over the years. A random guest post that I did for Forbes ended up going viral. And by the end of that week, I had a book deal. So you just, you never know. You just never know what's around the corner, just keeping to throw things against the wall and seeing what's different. I do. <laughs> do you follow Sean McCabe at all? Okay, so Sean West started out as a hand... Well, his real name is Sean McCabe, but he goes by Sean West. And he started out as a hand lettering artist. And he spoke at ConvertKit. And my friend Becca, uh, we've had her on the podcast, guys, the Happy Ever Crafters. So she, we were in the car driving uh, after this horrible conference gone awry in Phoenix. And it was just like her and my content manager, Nicole, and I. And we were all in the car and we're like you know what, we still want a conference, right? Like the conference we went to really, really sucked, but we're going to, we're going to have our own conference, dang it. And so she put on his talk from ConvertKit in 2017 and it was really good. But one of the things that I took away from it was he, uh, he talked about this experiment that had been done. So the experiment essentially to boil it down really quickly, because I know we want to be respectful of your time. It was basically, does quality or quantity win? And every single time this experiment was done in different contexts, quantity won. So it was like his lesson to the, or his take on it, his like, I guess, lesson to the audience was that if you want to do really well in your business, you just have to iterate all the time and write those thousand guest posts. And one of them is going to go viral, just like you had that experience don't sit there and try to make the world's best blog post that ever existed and hem and haw over it for weeks, you know, just like put one out a day, even if they're like kind of crappy, you know, they're not like the best thing you've ever written, you know, you'll, you'll get better in the process and you're more likely to see success just based on the quantity that you're putting out there. So I thought that was really interesting. I've seen this work for some people with their Instagram too, where like they will put up. So one account that I'm thinking about is like Lady Boss. I've been following her since the ClickFunnels conference earlier this year. And like, if you look at her Instagram, it's nothing special. It's just like a bunch of cell phone pictures and stuff. And like every once in a while, she'll have like a pro picture now because she's making so much money. So she does shoots. But yeah, like it was just purely like five or six posts coming out a day that grew that feed. So I think it's interesting because in our creative community, it's there's such a huge focus on doing things right and having it perfect and always being within your brand aesthetic and voice and all all this stuff. And what you just said 
it just hits home so hard because it's like you were working your butt off and you just believed that this was going to happen one day, but you didn't know how, and then it did. So I just think that's a beautiful story. My four of my closest friends through reaching out and going on coffee dates. And I've probably been on hundreds of coffee dates with other women that I was hoping to connect with. But eventually after I went on enough, I finally found four that were, you know, a huge are, are still a huge part of my life. The same is true for dating. You can pre-screen people. Uh, I mean, I was a huge online dater. Uh, you could either screen people before you go on the date and try to go on only one date a month with a really quality person or maybe one date every six months. Or you can go on one date a week and just anybody that asks you, you go out with them, which was my strategy. Just anytime somebody asked, yeah, sure. Tuesday night was the date night that we went on. I went on first dates. And after you know a lot of first dates, I finally met my husband. So it's like, I always think that just doing something again and again, eventually you'll get, you'll eventually you'll hit the right thing that's meant for you. Sorry, I just I thought of one more thing. So, this also thank you so much for sharing out. about the all book. of these things it's we like, talked about. You know, both. the whole strategy with Reach Out is oh, yeah, not sending one networking email once a month to the perfect person. It's doing it every day. And then if you get a response rate of, if you send one email every workday for a whole year, you've sent 260 emails. If you get a 40% response rate, which is somewhat low, you've now started 104 conversations with total either strangers or people you didn't know well that are now part of your network that weren't previously. So quantity over quality. I love it. I think that that should be the next book that I couldn't agree with that more. I love it. I think, you know, I've used this reach out strategy on a lot of different ways. I've sent emails since I started reading the book and I also have used one reach out a day on social and it's helped me in a lot of different ways, starting conversations with people who follow me, people who I admire. And so it's been really nice to try this in, you know, the social world as well. But Molly, thank you so much for sharing everything that you have on both the messy side and starting a podcast and also with the reach out strategies that you've shared with us. So looking into your creative empire, looking into the future of your businesses, what do you see for yourself? I think that I will grow messy to be a huge leader in the podcast space. I think that I have a few more books in me. And I think I probably have projects coming down the pipeline that I have no idea what they are. And I couldn't even tell you, but God willing that they'll change my life. (laughs) I love it. I think it's so cool that one viral thing is going to change your life for the second time. I love it. All right. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. Where can people connect with you? Where can people find out more about Reach Out and about Messy? M-S-M-O-L-L-Y-B-E-C-K on every platform. And if you're interested in starting a podcast, you can go to messy.fm. Oh, if you want to buy the book, yes, yeah, sorry. If you want to buy the book, the book's available everywhere. Awesome. And books you can find sold, your local yep. bookseller, Barnes & Noble, Target, Amazon, all of those. Audible. Yep. All those. Audible. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining our show. And I know that our listeners are going to get a whole lot out of this. Thanks, Molly, for being here. And everyone listening, go build your creative empire. Are you ready to build your own empire? For more information, show notes, downloads, and tips on how to do it, head to www.creativeempire.co, where you can find out more about this week's episode and the two lovely ladies behind it all, encouraging you to build your own creative empire. 
If you enjoyed this week's show, it would mean so much to Raina and Christina if you could take two minutes to go to iTunes and leave a review. It's a little thing that makes a big difference for the show. 